0: It's game day, USC football fans. Get up to speed on the Trojans and their opponents with the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. Host Ryan Abraham, Shotgun Spratling, and Keely Yer break down the game from all angles with the in-depth analysis, interviews from the practice field, and expert insights from media members covering the opposition. Let's jump right in and kick things off with USCfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
1: Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the uscfootball.com Parastyle pregame show at uscfootball.com. We cover the Trojans 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The peristyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. Stop by your neighborhood Trader Joe's for all your tailgating needs like canned wine, elote, spiced corn chips, and yes, even hummus. We aren't afraid of interesting food at a tailgate party. All right, let's bring in Keeley and Shotgun and give out our awards from the Utah game. On the offensive side, let's start with Michael Pittman. He was a
2: beast. He gets back-to-back offensive awards from us. He had 10 catches for 232 yards, scored a touchdown, taking a deep ball 77 yards, goes up over double coverage to catch it, and then outruns the defense as well. He was all over the place on the offensive side. He was catching deep balls. He's taking short yards plays and turning them in a little bit more. He helped out Matt Fink a lot in this game, and the Trojans really needed that performance from him.
3: Now, you mentioned a guy who's all over the place on the offense. A guy who's all over the place on the defense, safety Talano Hufunga, have to award him this week 14 tackles against Utah. Clay Hilton said it was the best safety performance of his tenure, which is pretty crazy. But bad news for the Trojans, they will be, they won't have Hufunga this game. He's ruled out with a concussion and an AC sprain. So that's a big loss for the Trojans heading into this weekend.
1: Yeah, without Hufunga, they're gonna need their lineman of the week. We put gave it to Jay Tufele, the defensive tackle for USC. He was another absolute beast, wreaking havoc all over that Utah front, going after Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley, making swim moves, just really disrupting what Utah wanted to do and shutting down their inside run game, which Utah really stuck with till the end, and it just wasn't working, and a lot of that was due to Jay Tefele.
2: He had a great move, too, down by the goal line, gets held on the play, which sets up Drake Jackson's uh, Drake Jackson's safety there. But on the special team side, Drake Jackson's involved in this unit, the field goal blocking it. They blocked two. One of them, they got a penalty called, but Connor Murphy blocks a field goal for, for USC, gets his big paw up, and, and the field goal block unit gets their second block of the season
3: now on to lighting the torch the best moment from the game how could you not go with this marquis step goes into the end zone and he has eyes for reggie bush he daffs up reggie mr no fun the ref breaks <laughs> it up but pretty cool to see reggie bush back in the coliseum hashtag, on friday
1: yeah hashtag free reggie the head scratcher It's one of those questionable ones we saw usc had 10 men on the field for one of the utah PATs. Luckily, Talanohufunga was paying attention, called over John Houston. He filled in the missing gap, and there was no harm, no foul. But 10 men on the, the field for a football play, that's not what you want.
2: Let's go look at something else USC needs to fix. You know, gotta get eleven guys on the field, but you also need to fix the run game. The offensive line, you know, struggled to open up some holes early in the game. They made some adjustments late and were able to get the yards when they really needed to on that four minute drive, but they're gonna to need to a consistent running attack from the very beginning in this game, going up to Washington and potentially facing a hostile crowd up there.
3: Right, Chalkan, that's definitely something that we're going to watch for on Saturday. Now, Ryan, what's a key for you in this game?
1: Yeah, one of the big matchups you got to watch is USC had all those explosive plays against Utah. That's really what won the Trojans the game. But this Washington secondary is a lot better than what the Trojans have seen so far, only giving up about six yards per attempt. They're in the top 25 in most of the passing defensive category, so... This is a really great group of USC wide receivers. Are they going to be able to create those explosive plays they've seen before against a much tougher Washington secondary?
2: Another matchup you got to look at is the USC defensive line, probably their best unit so far this season, facing off against Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason, the the truest pocket passer they've seen this season, and a guy that can they can cut him up down the field if they give him time. They're going to have to get some pressure back there. Can that front four? Can they get in there? Can they move his feet around? Can they make him throw on the run? And if they can, you know that will eliminate some of his accuracy, and help out the secondary. And maybe USC doesn't have to blitz as much. We'll see how they try to attack Jacob Houston in this one.
3: Now for the final matchup that we're watching, Matt Fink, he's getting his first start now that Keenan Slovis has been ruled out for the game. He's going to be in a tough environment. It's different when you're with your home crowd, your fans who are cheering you on. This is going to be Husky fans who do not want to see the USC Trojans offense to succeed. So it's not only how Matt Fink is going to handle the, the loud crowd, but the offensive line. That's going to be key and whether or not they can protect Matt Fink. One of those guys who has an important role is Jalen McKenzie. Arker Savino talked to him this week about what the position group needs to do better going forward in week five
4: Jalen this Washington game presents some similar characteristics to the first road game where you guys had with BYU just you know just going into a hostile environment and a uh, you know a 1230 mid-afternoon kickoff what about this team have you seen from the last time you guys prep for a road game that makes you think that it'll be different this time.
5: That uh, you have to make yourself uncomfortable. That's what Coach has been talking about to us. Uh, You're getting ready to go in an uncomfortable environment where nobody likes you. Everybody's going to say negative things about you and it's going to be loud. You're going to be uncomfortable. It might be raining a little bit. So throughout the week you just have to Focus on being uncomfortable and playing with the mindset that you're going somewhere to uh, take a win from somebody else in their own house. So it's just focusing on making yourself uncomfortable and getting ready for that uncomfortable environment to still be able to perform at the highest level. And
4: what have you seen out of uh, Washington's front? And do they remind you of anyone that you've played so far this season?
5: Uh, I don't know. Their front, they they have a good front, a good front front four. They have some uh, good speed on the edge and. their uh, their two inside guys have some good like lateral quickness and um, like fidgety moves. So uh, we just got to focus on staying in front of our guy and pass protection, and then um, getting getting pushed on the down guys in the run. But uh, I don't know if they were remind me of anybody else. It what was different for you guys in the fourth
4: quarter where you're able to kind of seal out the game with the with the run game?
5: Um, we just had some we had made some adjustments. Um, in the third and fourth quarter that made it uh, easier on us um, to combat what they were trying to do to stop our run game. And so, and then um, we just knew we needed to run the ball to finish out the game. And it wasn't like they were we had negative yards, but most of the negative yards were on just botched assignments and not necessarily just getting uh, pushed back on the line. So, we just had, we just really had to come to the film room this week to make sure that we weren't missing any assignments to create those negative plays because it wasn't a thing of us getting pushed back and then making a play in the backfield, it's, it's us not stepping right with technique things and letting guy go free or just uh, missing foot, making our communication better down the line. And
4: how do you? Is that just simply getting the film room more to fix that? That's
5: just simply getting in the film room more, and then coming out on practice, on the practice field, and making sure that everything is crisp with our communication, and our technique. You feel me? So that when we get to the game, it's just better. So we're working. We're just trying to get better every single week. You feel me? Uh, with Washington, then we're gonna have two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame, and then after that, we just got to keep getting better every week, week by week, so that by the time. You feel me? We're playing our best football uh, later on in the season, and every single game we're getting better, you feel me, so that we can keep playing the type of football we want to keep playing. Like we want to keep playing. So we can't just think about what, we, what happened last week or what might happen in the future. It's just every week we have to get better. And we have to hone in on our stuff and just keep continuing to get better every week. How
1: you All right, great stuff from uh, Chris Trevito and Jalen McKenzie there. Guys, the offensive line is so important in this game. Rushing for 13 yards, negative rushing yards, like midway through the fourth quarter against Utah, you're not going to be able to do that and get a win in Seattle, especially with all the injuries there. But, I mean, how important is it going to be for this offensive line to play a lot better and at least get the run game going a little bit?
2: Like Healy said, you got to take some pressure off of Matt Fink. If you're able to run the ball that puts less pressure on him with the defenses they're trying to disguise, Uh, they're going to try to roll some coverages, do some different things post-snap, and Matt Fink's going to have to read those. But if you can run the ball, that changes the things that defense can do. So it it starts up front with the offensive line. You know They made some adjustments actually in the second half in that fourth quarter that made it easier for the offensive line. Instead of trying to reach and pull and do some other things with Utah kind of shooting through the gaps, they made some adjustments to go straight forward and and that seemed to work we'll see if that's something they look at uh, uh, to to do a little bit more of this week too
3: and I'm curious after facing BYU and Utah's tough defensive line is this Huskies defensive line almost a little bit of a break in that sense I know Brett (laughs) Nealon gets he doesn't have a huge nose tackle sitting in front of him this game so is that somehow a break for these guys
1: yeah we'll see I mean Washington did have to replace uh, nine defensive starters from last year but a lot of guys with experience are back it's a really good defensive front maybe not as good as Utah's but USC had trouble with BYU. They're gonna just have to play better. There's no excuses. You're going on the road. You can't rely on just throwing the ball up to the wide receiver. They're gonna have to get some run game going. Protect, protect Matt Fink and see where they go. That injuries though, guys. I mean, we know about Matt Fink getting the start. He's gonna be the only scholarship quarterback making the trip. But man, Keeley, there's some defensive players that are key guys like Talanoa Funga been their best player on defense. Him not being there I think is a big deal.
3: Yeah, and as you mentioned with Hufunga, you're also missing Elijah Griffin who uh, is out with back but both Hufunga and Griffin have been physical guys who set the tone as far as tackling goes. If you're missing this, those two guys, I'm wondering if the drop-off in tackling uh, happens to this defense.
2: And that's going to be even worse. I mean, tackling has been something that has been an issue. If you're having a drop-off, that's not going to be a good sign, especially with the way that Washington wants to spread the field. They want to attack both vertically and Laterally. They want to use the entire field and kind of attack you in different ways. They'll use a lot of motions. They're going to try to confuse those linebackers who have have at times had trouble with reading and reacting to plays. So you're going to see some different motions, some jet sweeps, a lot of different stuff that USC struggle with a little bit. I don't really like that matchup right now, especially when you don't have Talano Hufunga in the back end to kind of pick up some pieces that when other guys miss tackles or don't get their assignments
1: right. You might see some freshmen like Max Williams get the, get some run in the secondary it's pretty thin. You like this uh, Washington group of wide receivers. They're going to be going against some green guys in the USC secondary. But to me, guys, tackling is key. Talano was the gold standard for tackling for USC, and it's been a problem for this entire defense. He was the guy that could show everyone else the way. Now maybe it's a Palier Nooteote. We'll see because they're going to need some sound tackling up front.
2: I think that puts more emphasis on those two inside linebackers. Both Houston and EA, they've got to play better. They've got to do more in this game. I think it's their opportunity, their time to shine if USC wants to win this game.
1: All right, well, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our player perspective segment where Keila Yor will break things down with former USC All-American Taylor Mays.
0: Welcome back to the uscfootball.com Paris-style pregame show. In this segment, we will look at the game from a player's perspective with host Keely Ur and former USC All-American safety Taylor Mays.
3: Alrighty, Taylor, we're back with player's perspective, but before we get into it, I just want to give a special thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring our show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at Storage. Dot com. Now, Taylor, we ended the segment last week, and I said I had no reason to doubt you, and that just continues because you called it. You called the upset. USC beats Utah 30-23. to 23. I guess my question this week is now, do we really know who this team is?
6: Kiddy, we don't know who this team is. If you would have told me uh, before the game that we were going to come into a game against a number 10 team in the country and play with our third-string quarterback and have just a couple positive rushing yards and still win the game, I would have told you there is no way Uh, This is a little bit what we've seen uh, with some of Clay Helton's football teams. It's sometimes they look great and sometimes uh, we really struggle. And I think that'll be the next thing for this team and really finding out what kind of team we have is, can they play consistent at a high level? And sometimes they play well, sometimes we really struggle, and there's still some gaping holes that need to be fixed. But uh, I would say this team is still a huge question mark if you look at Where we are right now versus where we were last week is the difference of two different worlds, and this team still has a a lot to prove.
3: You mentioned the third-string quarterback. Matt Fink came in for Keaton Slovis after the second play of the game, 23 of 30 for 351 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. What did you see from the performance that he gave, kind of on a last minute's notice?
6: When Keaton initially got hurt, I thought, man, this is the end of the game. We're going to lose. We don't have a chance. And then Matt Fink came in and threw a touchdown on the first drive. And so I was really proud of the kid. He came in. He had poise. He played with a lot of confidence. And for the most part, he controlled the offense. However, he had his home crowd behind him. It's not going to be like that. Going into Seattle, Washington, going to Husky Stadium. Remember, UW fans are the same fans that the Seahawks have. And that whole Seattle Seahawks 12th man mumbo jumbo that exists, whether you believe it or not, these fans are loud and it's going to be a completely different situation for Matt Fink in this offense. So hopefully he could take what he did last week, build on it and continue to be successful because it you know, looks like he's going to be a quarterback this Saturday.
3: Yeah, it looks like Keenan is still out with concussion protocol. So Fink getting his first start as a Trojan in a hostile environment. This Husky secondary is a tough group. Uh, they like to disguise their coverages and Fink Won't be able to get away with some of the 50-50 balls that we saw uh, against Utah. What are you expecting from Fink going into this Saturday?
6: This is going to be a great opportunity for Matt Fink. This UW secondary plays and looks like what you would want a defensive secondary to play like. They play fast. They play physical. They play with a ton of enthusiasm. And it's going to be a great opportunity for Matt Fink. They move around a lot. They hold and disguise coverages a lot. Well, the first thing that a quarterback looks at when he uh, makes a read is the safety. Safeties are the primary ones that can show what coverage a, a defense is running. So for Matt Fink, he needs to be almost flawless in a sense in what he's looking at and looking at safeties. The problem is is UW safeties are experienced and they know what they're doing. They're very well coached. Sometimes they show like they're playing man but they play zone. Sometimes they show like they're playing zone, and they blitz. Sometimes they look like they're blitzing, and they play prevent defense. So it's there's a ton of things that they do. They play hard. They play fast. It's going to be loud. So it's a completely different game, almost very similar to the situation that happened to Keaton in BYU, a completely different situation then than it was the previous week in Stanford. So I think it'll be – and almost in a sense, the BYU situation 2.0, being that it's a better team playing University of Washington. So this might sound corny, but think has got to think, and he's got <laughs> to think under pressure. If he doesn't or if he gets flustered, it's going to be a very long day, and we need to keep that crowd quiet. If we can move the ball, get first downs, it'll keep that crowd quiet.
3: I like the the tagline there. Very nice. Fink
6: has got the thing.
3: Now, when it comes to USC's run game, as you mentioned, they struggled against Utah. Obviously, to have a successful offense, you have to have a functioning run game. I feel like USC has kind of gotten away with not running the ball effectively these first couple of games, but it has to catch up with them at some point, right?
6: Well, yeah, of course. Like, look, here's the thing about offensive line. You could draw up X's and O's and talk about scheme and, and game plan and philosophy, but offensive line is about technique leverage attitude and just wanted to fire off the ball and hit somebody else in the mouth that's pretty much it it's it's a man's game mano-a-mano me against you my will against your will and one thing that our guys have to do you can do small things like uh, chipping the defensive end keeping the running back in to block keeping the tight end in to block uh, going on hard count to try and slow down a pass rush but at the end of the day our offensive linemen They have to win in one-on-one blocks. We cannot be as – we're not anything as a football team if our offensive lineman cannot win in one-on-one blocks, whether that's pass rush or in the run game. So our guys got to have that attitude. I don't know what's going on at practice, but if I was an offensive lineman on this team, I would feel like I have the most to prove out of any position group by far on this team, especially offensive linemen are there to protect your quarterback – You got one quarterback knocked out of the game last week. They should feel awful about that. Those guys take pride in it, and I really look for them to come out in this game and make a statement.
3: Now on the other side of the ball, UW's quarterback Jacob Eason is a pro-style quarterback. He's really the first elite passer that the secondary will face. I know there's never a good time for injuries, but this is essentially the worst week for USC's secondary to be as banged up as they are. It looks like Chase Williams and Chris Steele will probably get the start there. How much of a test is this going to be for USC's defense facing Eason?
6: I saw Jacob Eason in person a couple weeks ago when I was at the UW versus Hawaii game, and I was down on the field. The kid looks like what you would want your quarterback to look like he's tall he can smoke the ball in there when he needs to and throw it into tight windows he also has touch and finesse when throwing the ball outside of the numbers on you know deeper routes corner routes and so he really has the tools of a pro style quarterback he looks the part and he plays the part so our guys have to bring their game. one thing that we need to be able to do is tackle underneath Even if their guys catch the ball, they have some wide receivers. Andre Fuller, he catches a lot of ball. He's what I would call a system wide receiver. He's not the biggest, not the fastest, but he just gets open underneath the zone coverage. Our DBs have to tackle. We cannot afford to have any missed tackles or any big plays yards after contact. Our guys have to tackle and they have to stay on top. If Jacob Eason is going to beat us, then let him beat us with his arm making the throws, making the tough throws, putting the balls into tight windows. Make them beat us that way. Don't let them beat us by throwing the ball, getting behind our safeties, getting behind our corners. That would be the advice I would give our young DBs. Any DB coach will tell you at the end of the day, you don't give up any deep balls. That's the most important part about playing DB. Keep the ball in front of you, and you you live to play another play. So our guys need to do that, if nothing else.
3: So now three of the four quarterbacks that USC's face this season have been mobile guys. When it comes to Easton, like we mentioned, he's a pocket passer. He's not going to really move around a lot. And so the problems with a mobile quarterback, USC kind of had to do a contained rush. Does this necessarily free USC's D-line to kind of go after it?
6: Well, it's hard because a D-line, when you're playing a mobile quarterback, defense coordinators have to make calls that kind of there it's just like a contain rush you're rushing but you're almost rushing to 80 percent, and you're rushing but looking at the quarterback and seeing where he's going and just kind of pressuring him and slowly closing the pocket if you can take a shot and try to sack him do it but for the most part you're kind of just rushing and it's it's really hard to get sacks in those kind of defensive line stunts for us This game, especially because of the fact that Eason gets under center a lot, which will be different for our entire defense. He gets under center, and he does deep play-action drops where he turns it back to a defense. It is going to be imperative in this game that when our defense alignment gets the chances to pass rush, that they win and get home to the quarterback, especially with what's going on in our secondary right now because we don't know how long our guys guys can cover downfield. One, it's already hard enough to cover downfield, but if we have young guys playing or inexperienced guys playing, it's going to be hard for them to cover. The communication might not be there yet with our secondary. We need Drake Jackson to step up. He's a freshman. Yeah, he doesn't have to play like freshmen. We need him to step up. We need Christian Rector to step up. Our guys have to get home. I think this is our chance, just like for the offensive line. This is a chance for the D-line to really show what type of pass rush we have by really putting some pressure on Easton in this game.
3: Now, Taylor, this is an interesting dynamic for you. You're from Seattle. Your dad played for UW. You grew up watching UW games. Where exactly does your allegiance lie? How do you think this game is going to go?
6: Well, here's the thing. I didn't grow up a Seahawks fan at all i always grew up a university of washington football fan my dad and i and my little brother we went to a ton of husky football games growing up when i was getting recruited in high school we went to a ton of husky football games when i committed to go to usc they threw purple paint on my car no way a, yeah at a high school basketball game they threw purple paint on my car back in high school that happened so i have a, obviously a ton of history with the university of washington i love the university of washington However, I'm a USC guy through and through, obviously. Uh, I'm happy that UW is playing well. It's a proud football program. I think people sleep on it because it's obviously in the Pac-12. It's up in Seattle by itself. People sleep on Seattle in general. But that's a whole other topic. But at the end of the day, I want to say this. With all due respect to the University of Washington, their UW and we're USC, but this is gonna be a tough game, and it's gonna be loud. If I'm being honest, I don't know if we're gonna win this football game. Not because we can't beat this team, but just with the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs of college football, and how it works, and going into an opponent's field after what happened against BYU, it's just hard. It's just there's just a psychological effect that happens when you go into uh, a hostile environment. They get charged up from their crowd. And it's just one of those things. And I don't know if we're going to win this football game. It just is what it is. I don't know. I hope I'm proved wrong. If I'm wrong next week, I'll eat my words and I'll do whatever I got to do. But that's a later conversation
3: interesting i said i'm not gonna doubt you again i don't have the right to doubt you so i'm going with what you well, said well
6: i am 2-0 and 0 right now you are. so i'm you batting 100 percent. so maybe i'll be 66 percent after this but you know that's still a still hall of fame batting average
3: pretty good that's yeah. for sure already yeah. we'll see next week but taylor thanks so much for coming on the show thank you already we're gonna take a quick break and come back and go behind the enemy lines to see what's really going on with the washington huskies
0: Welcome back to the USC Football.com Parastyle Pregame Show. In this segment, host Ryan Abraham
1: will go behind enemy lines and get insight on the game from USC's opponent's point of view. Before we get to our guests, I'd like to thank Trader Joe's for their sponsorship of the USCFootball.com Parastyle Pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out the Trader Joe's at the USC Village, where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting, all at amazing prices. You can't miss the store. It's the Red Brick Building. All right, let's bring in our guest, the expert covering the University of Washington. He is the editor of Dogman.com here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Chris Fetters, follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Fetters. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Of course, Ryan. How are you doing, man? This Washington squad, about 20 20 so guys or so um, from Southern California on the Washington roster. I know you had a, a content item up. We're talking to some of the players, see if they're ready for this one. Seems like guys are, but how would you how would you assess how ready the the Washington players are for this game? Well,
7: oh, I think they're very ready. I think you you nailed it. Um, I think the count that I had was somewhere around twenty one, twenty two guys from Southern California, not just the LA area, but in an Inland Empire, San Diego, that type of of, of spot and. There's no question you talk to any of those guys whether it's a Nick Harris or a Miles Bryant or Luke Wattenberg or some of these other guys they you know they they're up for it and they don't have to tell the rest of the team what it's all about because a lot of these guys played in the 2016 game I I think I had eight or nine uh, current huskies played in that game and if I remember correctly I looked at the USC roster and I think there's at least six or seven USC current players, that played in that game too. So um, even though they, you know, the game hasn't been played in the last couple of years, there's still some feeling from that game that was played in 2016 in terms of Washington wanting maybe a little bit of redemption for uh, what happened because there was so much on the line there. But you're right. When it comes to the South, Southern California kids, uh, there's a there's a, a great gold mine of, of recruiting down there, as everyone knows. Every Pac-12 team has to have a foothold in that area to to do well in recruiting. And Washington's certainly gotten their fair share, and you know that there's going to be a lot of friends and family that are connected to those 20-plus guys from that area that are going to want to get this
1: thing done for them. Jake Browning was the starter in that 2016 game. Uh, now Jacob Eason uh, steps in. He's been playing phenomenally so far. I know a lot of Washington fans were kind of, you know, Jake Browning won a lot of games but there were some limits athletically and and people wanted to see what this offense would do with a different kind of quarterback. Jacob Issa comes in 6'6" 230 pounds. What do you feel he's done well so far and have the fan base kind of rallied around him, you know, losing a four-year starter like Jake Browning. Well, right, it's not very often you 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 lose one of those guys, right? It, and
7: and Washington also lost a four-year starter running back in Miles Gaskin, so it's kind of a double whammy going into this 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 particular year. But in losing Browning, they lost kind of another coach out on the field. And what's interesting about a guy like Jacob Eason is he hasn't played for a couple years in terms of a live game. But I think what's really encouraged a lot of people, including the coaches, is just his ability to kind of take what's given, make the right decision. And, And if anything, he's maybe been a little bit more conservative than maybe we would have thought going in because of his athleticism, because of his Size and his strong arm, and his reputation as kind of a gunslinger, a guy that's going to want to throw it around all over the place. He's actually been a little bit more restrained in that regard, is trying to really kind of take what the defenses give him. And maybe in some ways, he's aired it toward the side of caution in that way, which I think has actually impressed the Washington coaches because he can start from maybe a little bit more of a conservative viewpoint and then kind of open things up as he starts to get into a rhythm. Once Bush Hamden, the Washington offensive coordinator, starts getting into a play calling rhythm a little bit and they have kind of the throws that they know are working really well from the early part of the game going forward. And so I think that they've been able to kind of build on that. And I think that's been very impressive for a guy like Jacob Eason, who came in with the reputation as a guy that wanted to throw the ball all over the place, could throw it 70 yards on a dime, but only kind of maybe had one speed. I think he's shown a little bit of a change up. And I think that's been in uh, something that I think Washington fans have been, uh, been impressed with. Uh, you mentioned
1: Miles Gaskin, uh, no longer there. Salvan Ahmed uh, stepped in and played well. The speedster, if you haven't seen him uh, run, he can get around the corner pretty well, but digged up a little bit. Didn't make the trip to BYU. Washington still ran the ball well against the Cougars. How, what's the running back situation now? Like maybe Ahmed's uh, injury status and then how they've looked so far.
7: Yeah. Chris Peterson confirmed uh, to the sideline reporter against uh, or at BYU that he has a lower leg injury and he's kind of week to week. So I we're not sure exactly what his availability is going to be for USC. You know, if you err on the side of caution, I would think that they feel confident enough in Sean McGrew. Richard Newton, Kamari Pleasant, and even even a guy like true freshman Cameron Davis—he traveled for USC. He didn't play, but he did travel, so he practiced during the week. Sean McGrew talked to us earlier, you know, in the week, and told us that he had kind of known in the middle of last week that that he was going to kind of get the nod. So they kind—I think they kind of knew early on what was going to happen with Savon, and so we'll see what's going on. I mean, Peterson doesn't like to talk about injuries at all unless they're like end-of-year type things, like a guy's going to lose the rest of his year because of it. So with Savon, it's going week to be week-to-week. If I had to hedge a bet, I, I don't think he's going to play, because I think Sean McGrew and and, um, and Richard Newton had such a good game at BYU, and they showed different strengths and different things that they could do. I think Washington feels like they've got enough of a change up there that they can get the job done.
1: Switching to the defensive side of the ball, uh, nine regular starters being replaced, but we've seen this from, you know, Jimmy Lake and Chris Peterson before. A lot of guys still with experience and some starting experience that are going to be filling in. But, you know, nine regular starters gone. This is a group that's had a lot of success against air raid teams, so specifically Mike Leach, who hasn't been able to even scratch what uh, Jimmy Lake and Chris Peterson put together. What, how have you assessed how the defense has played so far this year?
7: Well, I think there are still a work in progress for sure, and Chris Peterson would tell you that. Um, they did only have a couple starters come back, guys like Benny Potoai, Miles Bryant, but they also had a bunch of guys that had some starts at some point in 2018. So they've had guys that, that have some experience, they have some guys that have, have seen a lot of things and a lot of different offenses. So this is not going to be a situation where they're going to be overawed at all. And especially when you do mix in the fact that USC is bringing in a form of air raid style offense that Washington, frankly, has had a lot of success against when they've gone against Washington State, for instance. So you've got guys like, you know, Levi Onzarike, Ryan Bowman, you know, Joe Tryon, who's going to miss the first half of the USC game because of a targeting call you got Brandon McKenney who started the Rose Bowl, you got Key Taylor, Elijah Molden, both uh, veteran defensive backs by now. All those guys have had had starts at some point in 2018. So, you are still dealing with a group that isn't quite as veteran obviously as as 2000 um, as as last year, but they will they will do some things and they will try to get some things done. It, it almost feels kind of a little bit n- more of a no-name type defense. They kind of get things done collectively, and there isn't one group that really truly stands out yet. I think in time the secondary will start to stand out a little bit more, but they need to gel. They're using some true freshmen back there. Guys like Trent McDuffie and Asa Turner. Cameron Williams has started a bunch of games now for them. So they, you know, they're they're trying to, to, to roll to roll in some guys, roll in some freshmen to play in with some of these more uh, veteran type guys, too. So there's still some gelling to go on still some chemistry that needs to be created with the uh, with all of these guys but you're right Jimmy Lake and, and Pete Kwiatkowski have shown over the over the over time that they kind of have the formula to get these guys going so I suspect they're going to be really really good by the end of the year but how good they play
1: against USC is obviously what we're all interested in right now the uh, secondary if I'm not mistaken uh, been exceptional giving up about six yards per attempt uh miles bryant probably stand out there he just seems to be all over the place doing everything seems like they've been very successful when you talk about opposing quarterbacks
7: well it's true and, and and again like you know when you play against the run and shoot of hawaii you know they showed a lot of nickel they showed a lot of dime they even showed uh, at some point they were running seven defensive backs out there and they're and they can go seven eight deep it's legitimate um, the thing is, though, they're still rolling a lot of young bodies in there. They don't have a ton of experience. You know, Miles Bryant, Keith Taylor, Elijah Molden—those are going to probably be your three most experienced guys in there. You know, Cameron Williams, true freshman from Bakersfield, he beat out a guy who started in the Rose Bowl in Brandon McKinney. So they—they, they, it's not like they're trying to to just play their veterans and and relying on that experience. They really feel like. If a true freshman is the best guy to give them the success that they're looking for and, and to, to get the give them the best chance to win, they're gonna play him. and they've played Cameron Williams. they Trent McDuffie got his first start at BYU and had a uh, forced fumble and a, and a, ret- and a uh, fumble recovery on a great play. Uh, ASA Turner is big the big 63 safety from Carlsbad, he had a pick in, in the game at, at BYU and he's a guy. That if you look at this offense, this air raid offense, the way that Matt Fink runs it, for instance, it showed at least against Utah that he, he likes to kind of throw the ball up and let the big guys like Pittman and some of these other guys run under him or make catches in one-on-one type situations, jump ball type situations. And, and USC has the talent to get that done. You know, Washington may have to rely on some of these bigger defensive backs like a Keith Taylor or an Asa Turner to try to do some damage and and see if they can beat uh, a Michael Pittman to a jump ball. Because right now USC has the receiver talent to outduel a lot of defensive backs in the conference. Washington is in a situation where they might be able to counter that, but I think that's going to be one of the big duels
1: that you're going to see out on the field, Husky Stadium, for sure. All right. Chris Feder is the editor of dogman.com. Make sure you check out his stuff on the site. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. My pleasure, Ryan. All right. We're going to take a quick break and be back for our final segment here on the Peristyle Pregame Show. Welcome back
0: to the USCFootball.com Peristyle Pregame Show. Here's your host,
1: Ryan Abraham. We are going to finish up the show with Chris Trevino's five bold predictions. Then we have an interview from practice with USC safety Isaiah Polamau. A quick update on USC recruiting from Gerard Martinez. And finally, Keely Shotgun and I will give our game predictions. Thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the uscfootball.com pair style pregame show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at platinumstorage.com. Let's jump into Chris Trevino's bold predictions.
4: This is Chris Trevino with uscfootball.com, giving you another five predictions for number 21, USC's Saturday matchup with number 17, Washington. Prediction number one. USC's offense records two plays of at least 30 yards. Now this one might seem mundane, but the Washington defense enters Saturday having allowed just one play of at least 30 yards, which is good enough for number one in the nation. On the other hand, USC's offense is tied for number 18th in the nation with 11 plays of at least 30 yards. USC's wide receiver unit is by far the best group the UW secondary has faced so far this season. If Matt Fin can do what he did against Utah and put the ball in position for receivers to make plays, this should be an easy hit. Prediction number two, Matt Fink records a run of at least 20 yards. Don't let Matt Fink's big night with his arm make you forget that number 19 has some wheels. I'm sure USC was a little cautious about running Fink out on Friday with no scholarship QBs backing him up, but I believe the Trojans will need a little magic out of his legs to pull out this road win. Case in point, Cal's Chase Garvis had 42 rushing yards in Cal's big upset win over the Huskies. Prediction number three, Washington returns a punt of at least 20 yards. USC special teams always seem to come with a mixture of the bad and the good, and I see a little bit of bad on the horizon, especially with USC on the road. The Trojans will be taking on one of the best punt returners in the country and Aaron Fuller. Fuller is currently tied for 5th in the nation with 18 yards per return, and last week he burned BYU for an 88-yard touchdown, the first of his career. Prediction number four, Michael Pittman Jr. hauls in two touchdowns. Let me take you back to last season when Pittman Jr. caught six passes for 150 yards and two touchdowns against Colorado. He followed that up with a touchdown against Utah and then two more touchdowns against ASU in the following weeks. The pattern is set to repeat itself in 2019 after Pittman had two scores against BYU and followed that up with a touchdown in the Utah win along with his historic receiving night. But it's going to be tough to pull this off against Washington as the Huskies have not allowed two touchdowns to a single receiver so far this season. And as you can expect, number six will have a lot of attention after last week's performance. But Pittman appears to be Fink's favorite target, so I'm rolling with that this weekend. And prediction number five Marlon Tui Pilotu and Drake Jackson continue their tackle for a loss in sack streaks. This will be a super experienced Washington offensive line with 129 career starts between the starting five. But I like for Tulia Pilotu and Jackson to carry their respective streaks to four. Tui Pilotu has at least half a tackle for a loss in three consecutive games, while Jackson has at least one sack in three. It'll be tough, but I think both of them can keep the streak going one more
3: week. You know, those are pretty bold predictions from Chris, and I'm actually going to be bold with him on point number four. I think Pittman could get two touchdowns in this game. Now, it doesn't seem likely. UW hasn't let a team score two receiving touchdowns this season. But then Michael Pittman is a beast. We talked about him at the top of the show. We gave him our offensive MVP. He's seventh in the country in receiving yards. And it looks like Fink uh, has found his target in Pittman. They seem like a good duo. So I'm going to go with four coming true.
2: If that happens, number one will come true. USC's offense will have two plays of 30 yards. I think there'll be big plays for USC, but I don't see it happening. I also don't see three happening. UW returns a punt of at least 20 yards. When is anyone returning punts against Ben Griffiths? Everything's been short, fair catches. There's there's not been many even opportunities for the opposing teams to return a punt, so I don't think they'll get one from 20 yards either.
1: I think that's a fair point, Shaka. Not a lot of punt returns against USC. I'm going to go with the tackles for loss and sack streaks, Marlon Tui, Pelotu, and Drake Jackson. I think they continue them, mostly because that's where the strength of this USC defense lies. Without Talanohu Hufunga, they need those guys to make some plays in the backfield, I think they're going to get a lot of chances and they're going to keep that streak going. But without Bahufunga in there, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the other safety. Isaiah, pull him out. We talked to him at practice this week to get a feel for what this secondary is going to do against Washington.
2: Isaiah, you guys are coming off a big Pac-12 South win over Utah. How does that give you guys some momentum as you go on the road, go to a tough challenge, a tough place to play at Washington?
8: You know, the Utah uh, game was a huge win for us as a team, but we have to move on and put that behind us um, because you, uh, Washington is a great team and we have a great uh, challenge ahead of us.
2: Obviously, it's a different style of challenge with Jacob Eason, a guy that wants to stick in the pocket, a pocket passer more so than some of the other guys you face. What unique challenges does Jacob Eason present and maybe the Washington
8: offense? Uh, with Washington, they're a post-style offense. So you know they're going to try to get us over, get it over our heads and try to pound the ball. But you know, as a defense, we're going to accept the challenge and uh, step up and play.
2: What do you have to do differently with Jacob Eason, a guy that has the arm strength to push the ball down the field and a guy that's not really looking to run like some of the other quarterbacks you face?
8: I think that because he's going to sit back in the pocket, I I think our D line has to get home and our uh, DBs have to cover. You know, um, he might just be back there trying to deliver him and dime him, but, you know, we have to lock him up and do our jobs how different is it for you
2: you've had some guys rotating in around you obviously talanoa being out for the first couple days of practice this week his status unknown last week you had isaac taylor stewart out then you got elijah griffins you've had guys kind of rotating in and out how have you guys as a secondary been able to to put things together and what is kind of the expectation going into this weekend in the secondary
8: um, every week, I think everybody on our team has to prepare like they're going to be the starter, you know um, Unfortunately guys go down to injuries. It's part of the game, but it's supposed to be the next man up So um, it's the next guy up for us and we're just gonna play
2: With the way that you have mixed and matched. Do you feel like you have a, a, a good camaraderie a, a good rapport with some of the other guys? Are you guys being able to communicate as well as you'd like to back there?
8: Uh, yes, sir, you know, we're all very close-knit family and um. As long as we all communicate and we're on the same page, you know, it's defense is defense. We're going to come and play.
2: You guys have struggled a little bit on the road over the last year or so. What's the key for you guys to to make an impact on the road and and play it like it's the Coliseum?
8: You know, we're going into a hostile environment. They're going to have their fans behind them, and we have our our team behind us. So we just have to lean on each other and play for each other.
2: How, How important is bringing energy early in the game and maybe trying to make a big play early to take their fans out of it?
8: You know, energy is everything. We have to play with juice. We have to play with a little bit of swag because, like I said, they have their fans behind us and we have ourselves. Obviously, when I talked with Isaiah this week, we didn't know that Talanoa was going to be out.
2: He's been ruled out now. Elijah Griffin is also out. It's going to put even more emphasis on Isaiah in the middle as well as those guys that are subbing in. Chase Williams and Chris Steele are going to have to have big games for USC if they want to slow down the passing attack of Washington but also help out in the run game too.
1: Yeah, important for this USC secondary for Isaiah him out to play. Well, we're going to get to our game predictions, but we got an update with Gerard Martinez. He's our uscfootball.com recruiting expert. A lot of USC recruiting news this past week. He gets us up to speed.
9: Santa Ana, California, modern day five-star quarterback Bryce Young decommitted from USC this week. Young, the number one rated dual threat quarterback in the country, had been committed to the Trojans since June 2018. He announced his plans to commit to Alabama shortly after officially visiting Tuscaloosa over the weekend with his family. Sunday, Young told 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst Greg Biggins, Alabama is such a storied program with so much tradition. I just fell in love with it there. From the people I met, the staff, the players, the environment, it all made me feel like this was the right thing to do. Young went on to say, quote, this was never about USC not meeting my expectations or anything. It was more about me feeling Alabama was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Young is ranked the number four player nationally by 24-7 sports in the 2020 class. This leaves USC with 11 commitments, which is good for eighth among Pac-12 schools in the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings this year. The Trojans are currently ranked number 62 nationally under Clay Helton. Harbor City, California, Narbonne three-star wide receiver Josh Jackson is the highest-rated player in the current recruiting class. Jackson, who is rated the number 349 player nationally, received good news this week along with Trojan fans. While Bryce Young was departing the 2020 class, Jackson's teammate, Harbor City, California, Narbonne junior five-star quarterback Jack Garcia, Join the Trojans 2021 class. Garcia is rated the nation's number four pro style junior quarterback and becomes commitment number four for the Trojans in the 2021 class. The 6'2, 190 pound quarterback verbally committed to USC Monday after collecting scholarship offers from Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Oregon, UCLA, among other schools during the offseason. As a sophomore, Garcia threw for 2,100 yards. 15 touchdowns and 5 interceptions in 9 games. This season, Garcia has 1,300 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. Upon committing to the Trojans, Garcia talked about USC's win Friday over number 10 ranked Utah. Quote, It's a testament to the coaching over there when you have two new quarterbacks to the system step in and take over without missing a beat. Garcia continued, I was excited when they hired Harold and I knew they were going to put up numbers. I just didn't know how well it was going to fit me. But after seeing what they'd done so far, and I ended up going to the Stanford game, it's pretty much similar to the offense we run at Narbonne. I feel like I'll be a really good fit. The Trojans' 2021 class is currently ranked number seven nationally. For more on those rankings, and the inside scoop on USC football recruiting, visit uscfootball.com.
3: Big thanks to Gerard for that recruiting update. You know, it was a big hit for USC's 2020 class to lose out on Bryce Young, but they did get a boost to the 2021 class. Jake Garcia is a big pickup uh, for the Trojans. But guys, let's switch gears. It's time for game predictions. What are y'all thinking for the game on Saturday?
2: I've got... USC losing this one. I think that Washington's strengths are USC's weaknesses, and I think that they're going to be able to take advantage of that. I'm going to go with a 28-13 to 13 score. Washington wins.
3: Interesting. Now, I had a gut feel of USC taking the win up in Washington, but that was before the injury update. Too many injuries. Too many injuries for me, but I'm going to say that it's a close game, 34-31 to 31 UW.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you guys. I think Washington's favored by about 10 points. The injury to Keaton Slovis is big. It just hurts the USC quarterback depth. I think Matt Fink is going to be fine. The problem I have is on the defensive side of the ball, losing two starters in the secondary, the leading tackler on the team, and the leading pass defender in Talano Funga and Elijah Griffin. So I think Washington's going to take this one 35-20. All right, that's going to wrap up our show for this week. Thanks for hanging with us early on USC Game Day for Washington Week. Thanks to our sponsors, Trader Joe's and Platinum Storage. And thanks to Keeley, Shotgun, Chris Trevino, Chris Fetters, Taylor Mays, and Gerard Martinez. Make sure you check back on KABC Radio on Fridays at midnight for the Peristyle pregame show. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you next time.